The Baggies Podcast, giving you the latest news, views and opinions on all things Albion. Hello and welcome back to the Baggies Podcast. It's episode 52 of the podcast today, back again for a match reaction episode following our 3-2 win back at the Hawthorns against Luton Town. Today's episode sees us welcome a brand new face to the show. We're welcoming Callum on. Callum, how are you doing? Welcome to the show, mate. Uh, not too bad, thanks. Yourself? Yeah, I'm not too bad either, mate. So uh, we've got you on today to talk a bit about the Luton game. Obviously, we'll We'll get into how you supported, uh, started supporting the album in a second. But before we get into the episode, guys, if you're new around here, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Obviously, if you're on YouTube, be sure to drop a subscription or you're on your podcast provider. A follow, a subscription really does help us. So, Callum, back to you. Um, so, firstly, how did you get into supporting the Albion? And what sort of are your favourite memories of supporting the club so far? So, getting to the Albion, it was actually from my dad. So, he's been an Albion supporter all his life. He used to live about two minutes away from the ground. Uh, so essentially, I don't actually remember my first game. All I remember was being little, going to the Albion. It, it's weird because like, people usually say, "Oh, I remember my first game," or "I remember a certain result." But for me, it was just it was just going to the game, and I remember having a season ticket. And before we used to go to, do you know, Divine, the pub. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the, there, the, yeah. With the curries. Yeah, oh mate, I have not going to that another time, but yeah, going there. For like the pre-match, and you used to have you used to have the away fans who weren't actually that bad. Um, and then you had to walk past the motorway when it's like absolutely rammed, and you wait like ten minutes to cross over the motorway. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then it's just I don't I don't actually remember my first ever Albion game, but the one the earliest one I remember was the Southampton one when we went up and Chris Brunt scored with his left foot. I think that's the earliest memory I ever have of the Albion, but. You know, since then we've had a semi-final FA Cup loss. We've had a playoff final loss. I remember, I remember being young and I was sitting at the very top and I was like crying my eyes out because we lost. But yeah, yeah it's been it's been a bit of a roller coaster over the years. But mate, you wouldn't change it for a bit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think, think think a lot of Albion fans are sort of in the same boat. You 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 see all your friends supporting like you know they they don't mm-hmm. they, they perhaps don't have a you know a father who supported you know the club that like, yeah. the local club and they go right i'm going to support man united and then all of a sudden they get all the trophies and then we're yeah, sort of sat here going yeah west brom fantastic yeah. but do you have like a do you have like a favorite season that you've, you've seen at the club obviously you've you've seen a few since since your first mm-hmm. and earliest memory what would you say is your favorite one Favourite one, it's tough because you've got the ones in the Premier League where you finish eighth and you finish tenth, and that was some good football because you beat, remember like the 5 5 of United, and we've had like two Norway to Liverpool, Lukaku. I'd probably say on paper that was our best squad, and probably I wouldn't say my favourite season in terms of because we only finished eighth, we didn't win anything. But I think when you look back in our other Wingy, Shane Long, Lukaku, Jakob, you can go on and on and on, and it's just like. You look back at that team and you're like, I would do anything to have that team back. Like, and compared to now, and it's like, yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably say, probably the one we finished. I think it was eight. Was it eight from the Steve Clark when we had? Yeah, that was the, the that, was the Luka- that was the Lukaku season when we finished. Lukaku season, yeah, when we finished eighth, and I thought a bit more. I thought sign Lukaku, it'd be an investment. We'll be in Europe League. Yeah, but then something need to be in Sesson Young, so yeah, <laughs> bit of a, bit of a change in recruitment. It did feel like yeah. we were really starting to build something then, but obviously no. now we 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 are trying to build something. Got a new mm. new head coach in charge with Valerian Ishmael. Um, obviously 
going into this season, obviously we're only two games in, but, but what yeah. were your thoughts sort of going into that first game and, and, the, and the new season? A bit worried because I think, you know, we was linked with David Wagner and I was a bit, at first I was a bit, mm, I don't want him. But then I think like when you look at his football and the way that he set up, it was like, oh, it's not too much compared to last season when we left Sam Anadolis sort of being organised and playing, you know, solid football. And then when he said we've paid £2 million for Ismail, and I remember seeing Barnsley last year, I didn't actually watch them much, but I saw the playoffs and I thought, they've got about 10 players in the opposition half. I could not imagine us pushing a high line with Kyle Bartley. And yeah. I remember we'd done it with Pepe Mel and with Diego Lagana at the back, and that was an <laughs> absolute disaster. I don't know how we started that season, but that was an absolute disaster. So to then go to Ismail, and I'm actually happy because it's a four-year deal, but I know what we like because I feel if we go up this season and he doesn't get the results next season, he's just going to get snapped. And obviously, it's a four-year deal, so there's going to be a, a, a bigger payout. And then it's just a concern of who do we go for then because then we've gone through Pulis, Allardyce, Pardew. The only one left that I could think of is Mark Hughes. Yeah, I think so we're it's, running out of them, aren't we? <laughs> it's, a, it's a matter of time before he comes but. I really hope it works out. I really do hope because his football's refreshing. It's something completely different. I'm not I'm not sold on the three at the back yet purely because the last time we done it, we done it with Darren Moore and yeah. it was a disaster again. But I think his, his philosophy of trying to get the ball into the opposite half and playing with the ball there, I do prefer because I think when we had Graham Jones and Darren Moore, he was playing about three, but play at the back and keep the ball. And we didn't have the players to do it. So I think, I think it will work. I just, I just hope the fans don't turn if, if it, if it don't work the first season and don't go up because he's here for four years. So it's, 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 it's a gamble, but I hope it pays off. It's different, so it's nice. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of Albion fans can echo what you're saying. It's, we look at the four year deal and we think, Wow, he's here to he's here for that four years or or yeah. as close as and probably till somebody poaches him if we do quite well. But the thing is, when we get into the Premier League, it's is is his football sustainable enough? Are we gonna have that? We're gonna have a bad run of results at some point. Yeah. And obviously, we're not quite bad as you know the board's not quite as bad as somebody like Watford who like to yeah. turn the manager out the door every five minutes. But yeah. we we are running out of those managers to pick from. I think really <laughs> those ones that are gonna come and yeah. save us. I think we've cut our ties with most of them already. So yeah, it's, it's whether his football's gonna be sustainable and whether we're gonna be able to hold on if you know and keep going if we're going to have a bad run of results but obviously going into the Luton game which is which is what we're here for for the match reaction um we we obviously started started um the championship season reasonably well with it with a two 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 all draw with with Bournemouth which most would see was as a decent result because obviously they're they're going to be probably up there in terms of the in terms of the final league position what were your thoughts going into the Luton game obviously lineups what would you have what would you have gone for before the game um, I think I think I would, I would have uh, Johnston is available so I think 100% change it I think you know Button he hasn't done much wrong but I think just the quality that Johnston brings it's it's different it, that's what we saw last year he coming from the championship I know fans got on it he's did a big on his back but I think I think he's more adaptable to the Premier League because I think he reminds me of Foster in terms of his shot stopping and yeah. his awareness but when it comes to his physicality, I think we can all agree he's not he's not up there in terms of being the most physical goalkeeper. 
yeah. which I think he struggled with in the championship. But I'm hoping this time around he's, he's he seems to have bulked up a bit. So I'm hoping now his physicality will have a bit more. I think Clark, I didn't know much about him, if I'm being honest. Yeah. But Harpy fans raved about him saying he was quality, you know, he'd done well. So, and I think he's also, he seems left-footed to me. So yeah. I think having a left-footed does help. Again, Bartley, nothing wrong with him. Um, yeah, O'Shea, I think he was one of the best players to form with. So mm. kept his place. Towns and Furlong, yeah, I agree with because it's, we don't have anyone else. You can say reach, but you won't match fit. Uh, Moat and Livermore, yeah. And then the front three, I think the front three explains itself. Maybe Matt Phillips, but I think he was self, was he self-isolating? So there was yeah. a read. That Bournemouth so, game, yeah. I th- well, yeah. it was just before the Bournemouth game, he'd been isolating and then he just about managed to come out for the Bournemouth game and managed to get on the bench. So, yeah, not quite fit enough yes. or anything. I think I think the team on paper explains itself. I think there's obviously a couple of additions, but um, yeah. In regards to Luton, I've got a bit. Again, I'm honest. I, I don't. I didn't know much. I know that people have said stuff like they've recruited really well and have improved massively over the summer. I know they've obviously got like Lansbury and again Lansbury's the only one I really know. I know they've got that winger, um, one that played on on Yadema. Yeah, the one who used to play for like Millwall, didn't he? At some point. Yeah, was he a wick? I think this might have been a wick, unless I can't remember. But I think you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to say this is an Albion fan coming down like, oh, we're the, we're the big dog sort of thing. But if I'm being honest, I don't, I don't know much about him. I know Nathan Jones obviously he's, he's he was alright though, so he's put together a solid side. But yeah, I, it's hard. I think on paper, the team we put out yesterday is probably the best team that we have at the moment. But yeah. I think the boring thing is, is Miles come out last week and saying he's happy with the squad, which is yeah. I, I can't I can't agree with that. I hope that's a smoke screen. To be honest, I really hope mm-hmm. he's just saying that just to say, you know, in case all the players in the side are thinking, oh well, we're we're safe. We can just have a little rest because we have got more additions coming in. Maybe that. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, I hope that's a ploy to just say you're the yeah. you're the ones who are going to be playing this season, so you need to work really hard rather than. Don't worry, we're going to have additions coming in, so maybe you get more rest, you get more, mm. more quality coming in, so maybe you don't have to work that hard. So I hope that's a smokescreen for for transfer activity, because obviously, actually, we'll, we'll, we'll ask you about that now, Callum. Who do you think? Who would you bring in? What sort of positions would you say that you, you'd like us to improve on it if we are to dip back into the transfer market this summer? I think the main one is a striker, because as you said yesterday, you bring off, you brought off Grant and Robinson, and then. I think that's where the beach capitulated because the movement was gone. Zahor offered nothing. Phillips, I think I, I thought I felt sorry for Phillips because I feel like he was trying, but he was missing that link. And Dean Garner was obviously on the other side of the three, so he couldn't really do much. Mm. I think maybe a right wing back purely for cover because a furlong went down, and I was a bit like, well, who's going to come on? Because we don't have a wing back. We got a reach, but again, he's not played the game. He's more left sided. And then I think Sawyer's went on the bench, so maybe the rumours to Stoke could be true. It could be off to Stoke. I'm not sure. I haven't heard much recently. But So I think two new centre-mids, I think Livermore needs to play him because I think he's... It's not, it's not the player he was. I think Moat's a really good addition, especially for free. He's, he's unreal for a free transfer. Yeah, definitely. But I think I think four more additions, two centre-mids, a right wing-back and a striker, and then some people there. But I'm actually surprised that we've not used more loans because predominantly before we've 
loved loan signings, especially last time in the championship. Whereas now we've got one in Clark, and I know that I know he's trying to say that we want to buy players and have a squad, but I feel like if this player is there to be loaned, I think we should use it 100%. I'll be happy for it, and it, it worked out. Yeah, I just it's very unalbian like not to be using these loans because obviously, if we remember back to the championship season, obviously, you mentioned it earlier under Darren Moore, where we ended up in you know, ended up with about probably probably upwards of six or seven loan players. With, you know, yeah. you had Gayo, you had Joe Hansen at one point, you had Montero, you had Holgate, Adarabio as well. There was, well, there was quite a few in there and Murphy as well. Yeah. So it's very unalbian not to be using the loans. I think uh, Ismail potentially has taken a bit of Barnsley's recruitment with him. Perhaps yeah. I'd rather scout somebody younger and find them and bring them in myself and adapt them rather than developing somebody else's player. Perhaps that's his thinking. So he's brought yeah. Clark in, which is, is a really solid addition, I think, especially what we saw yesterday. But in terms of the Luton game, Callum, um, what, what were your overall takeaways for, from the game? What did you make of the way that the game played out and, and why, it did, why it did in that way? I think first half would be fantastic. I can't recall having Luton having a shot up here first half. They, did, they didn't have a shot first half. They didn't cre- I don't think they created anything. I think we were solid. I think the doubts of a back three were swept away rather quickly because I think everyone was quite comfortable. We looked in control. We were, I wouldn't say we was creating clear-cut chances, but I feel like we was creating chances to get the goals and we obviously got the two we did. And then Grant had the other one when he came inside and tried squaring it to Robertson rather than just hitting it, but it could be down to lack of confidence. But I think second half we come out first, there was only two or three minutes and we still looked up. We were still pressing high and winning the ball back. And then when that uh, Clark went down, I think that 15-minute break didn't help us at all. Yeah. I think, you know, that even towards the end, uh, it was getting cones out. and trying to trying to warm back up because I feel like we just lost it. It was, it was correct me if I'm wrong, it was 2 now at the time when that yeah. happened. Yeah, it was 2 yeah, now at the time. So it's 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 not a game's done, but it's we're in control. We, we, I think we took the foot off the pedal it was it was weird because as soon as it came off it was just we scored the third and we still looked in control and then i, I don't know i don't know if, it, if we got too comfortable i don't know if it was the, the changes I, I, I really don't know because even the looting goal when it come back to townsend and he, he seemed to have ages of time on the ball just to get rid of it or he, Someone peeled out to the wing, just a little little clip, and that's all you had to do. And then as soon as that ball gave away, it was just we just capitulated. Yeah. We just didn't create anything like statistically, like second half, we just we didn't create anything. Luton had from what I looked, three big chances. They had they missed one big chance and scored the other two. They had seven shots inside the box, three outside the box, and their keeper didn't have to make a save second half. Obviously, Brandt scored the one, but apart from that, I don't, I don't really remember creating anything in the second half. Like possession, I know it's not when he come in, he said possession. It's, it's not going to. I don't think we'll, we'll be up there for possession. Hmm. I think I, I'm not sure what it was like at Barnsley, but I don't know if they had loads of possession last season when he was there. But his philosophy of getting the ball in, into their half and creating chances, I think you're going to find a lot, especially next week against Sheffield United we're not going to have the ball much. But it's about creating the chances that we do have when we get the ball. And I just, I'm not, I want to know you think, because I'm not sure what happened. It was just, I don't know. I can't answer it. 
Yeah, well, my sort of theory, obviously, we can we can try and get inside the players' heads and and Ismail's heads um, for for foul that that game. But I think I thought personally, I thought the break was. I think I come to think of it, I think it may have been three nil at the break because I really thought we were properly like about to battle, mm. and I thought we were going to go yeah. get another couple. Really, and yeah. then I think we had that break and. Obviously, Valerian Ismail's system needs you to be pretty alert, pretty on it. it. It's not something you can really ease into. It's not something you can have a little jog and then, wow, we're back, yeah. bam, into a sprint. I think it that didn't help. The break didn't help. I think, obviously, you mentioned the cones. I saw the cones go out and we were doing little side steps around the cones. So, yeah, obviously, trying to keep warm is probably the problem there with that big, big break. But I thought I thought the substitutions, I thought they were pretty, uh, pretty, uh, they really did affect the game. I thought... Phillips, I think he does look a lot fitter and I think he looks quite nice when he's tracking back. But I don't think he's quite got the high press bit of it. I think he's got the work ethic and I think he's starting to implement that sort of thing into his game. And he's doing a lot of tracking back. Obviously, you saw him in like left back areas trying to win the ball back, um, trying to get the ball off the opposition uh, and preventing corners and stuff like that. But Zahor obviously came on and I, I... I don't think I've seen as bad of a substitute performance in, in quite a few years, really, from Zahor. The ball was just bouncing off him. The ball was uh, being won in the air by centre-backs that are, you know, relatively smaller than him, really, yeah. in terms of stature and and, and, and and his broadness as well, Zahor. And I think that, that taking off Robinson and Grant, who I consider to be probably the most effective in the high press, especially Robinson, I think their pressing is quite infectious throughout the team. I think when they're getting towards the back line, I think it really does instigate the rest of the reaction from the team. But when you've got Zahor up top, obviously he's not doing particularly any pressing. So <laughs> right, we don't need to step up now. We, how, how are we going to step up if nobody's pressing up front? And the same with Phillips. Obviously, I do understand that he is working quite hard and I do recognise that. But it's just, um, it's just that infection from Robinson and Grant when they press, everybody else does. But yeah. when Zahor is lumbering about and he's sort of just watching them play out from the back. It's not particularly, well, it is infectious because obviously they're like, we can't press if Zahor's not pressing up top. So it starts at the front. I don't know what you think about that, but that was sort of my theory. I think the the problem is with Zahor, as I think you can agree, as Albion fans, we don't, we've had players who aren't the best. I think someone like Shane Lung, he wasn't, he wasn't technically the best. He wasn't ability-wise the best, but I think, the way that he ran around for 90 minutes and hassling defenders and winning the ball and yeah. pressing. If Zahor had done that, I think Albion fans would be accept- more accepting- acceptable to him to be in a squad player. I think yesterday it was just, I was sitting in the Birmingham Road where he was attacking and he was just playing the ball around the back and it was like the fans were going mad at him, like, run, do something, he's standing there. And there was one when the ball came around the back and he was like running. And it's like, it was like watching me trying to run after the ball. It just seemed so uncoordinated. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, it, it, I don't know, but the problem is, who who wants him? Because he went to Millwall last season. He didn't say a lot. He didn't do much. He just he was there. I don't think he, I don't think he even played much. No. I think Phillips, like I said earlier, I felt sorry for him because I think at one point Livermore and Phillips are going mad as a whole because I think Lewis had a throw in towards their their half and they was going mad at him saying like cut cut it out. What are you do? What are you standing there for? Like. I think he was trying to do two jobs and even trying to do a third job of trying to help Townsend out because yeah, especially when Lansbury come on in the second half, they seem to have an extra midfielder, man, because I think with the 3-4-3, three, three, you've got two midfielders, but 
there's Intech or Preferred on there to try and overload it. And I feel like Townsend was getting like 3v1, 3v2. So I think Phillips, I understand why he come back and helped out. But I feel like that's what I mean. Like we, we accept it because it's like you've come back and you help the team out. So I don't mind it. The whole, he just he didn't win the ball. He took touches that were going back to their attackers. And he don't want, he was like, he had the hundred, I don't know, 105th minute. And there was like a minute left. He had to hold the ball up and he tried to flick. Yeah. And he gave, straight, he gave it straight to defend. No, no, what are you doing? It's like, like there's one minute to go. We needed to hold the ball up and you, you try and little flicks. And it, it, I, I don't know. I just, I, I, I really do not have an answer for what that display was. But I think it's the worst display I've ever seen from an album there. Yeah, I, I think coming on, coming on, especially at that stage in the game when you need, I, I can understand Ismail bringing him on because mm. in terms of what he's done in pre-season, obviously, I don't know if you saw what he did in the Birmingham game that was yeah. completely un, unzoned. Yeah. Uh, and like, there's no reason why Valerian Ismail, from what he's seen of Zahor at the club since he's been here, to say, no, he, he's not good, he shouldn't come on. Like, mm. he... In stature, he looks a big, strong, fast target man. Yeah. But when he got on the pitch, it was just like, I can understand why he brought him on. I thought maybe he's just going to do that in each of thing that he used to do. Yeah, definitely. He used to yeah. come on for five minutes, hold the ball up, you know, mm. win some fouls at the pitch. Even Carnu to an extent, used to do stuff like <laughs> yeah. that. But Zahor, he just came on and it, it was like, he was half a yard off every single ball, not just one or two. And it took him a bit of time to get it. It was every single one. It was... Mm. I'm quite shocked because I thought, wow, we're we going to see something new from Kenneth Zahor this season. Are we going to see the £8 million finally being repaid? Maybe he's going to play a decent role coming off the bench or maybe even start in some games. But I think he's really done himself some damage with that performance for his mail because I know it wasn't necessarily the fault of the two goals going in and making things nervy because obviously that came more from the back and the self-destruct. Yeah. But certainly in terms of working hard, I think that's the bare minimum in this system. And I think, obviously, he may not have the quality. And certainly, we see seen in front of goal, he definitely doesn't have that sort of quality. But yeah. you at least expect a bit of hard work. But Callum, in terms of the, the two goals conceded, and obviously, it was a bit of a change in the back line that sort of instigated this. Where, yeah. what, what did you think about the two goals that we conceded? And obviously, the, the changes in the back line throughout the game that, that made, well, the, the one change in the back line that, that, that sort of instigated the, the, the reaction of the goals. I think the first thing I found out was looking back at the game, I think Ismail shouldn't have made both the subs. I think, as I said earlier, you have Dean Garner, Grant and Robinson as the pressers. Like you said, when they press, they instigate the rest of the team to come up with the pitch and press with them. So I think maybe if he was to put one on, just put Phillips on and then add Zahor into it and add someone else into it. Because I think we're only two games in and it's, it's still new because we've come from Allardyce and you could maybe even say Billich from where you're trying to sit behind the ball in the Premier League and trying to pick your moments or trying to counter. Yeah. So now you're trying to press 20 yards up the pitch further than what they used to and it, it's new. So I know at Barnsley, he, he used to do a thing. I read something where he would bring three attackers off and bring three new strikers on. Yeah. But he doesn't have that at the Albion because he's got, so he's got Sahor, he's a waste of time in my opinion. Especially after in the week when Ismail said to Hall, yeah, he's, he, I, I, I can't believe he said in the week that he's like a new player. He's yeah. he's hungry. He come on the pitch and I think first 20, 30 seconds, I think he done, he done something. And I was like, this could be a new Kenneth Sahor. This could yeah. be a season. 
And then the next 25 minutes, 30 minutes, it was just, it was awful. And then when when and up and the first goal, I remember Livermore won you back and he played you back to Townsend. Yeah. And I think this, this could be the difference between Townsend and maybe someone like Gibbs because Townsend, I thought last year was fantastic. Yeah. But I think the between, like, if maybe if that was Gibbs, when he's setting back, he would have played it out one touch and or maybe just clipped it out and gave one up the pitch. There's Townsend, he just took one touch and then did you just see the dally on the board? He was just, yeah, just, not playing FIFA, he was just holding on to it, holding on to it. And it's like, yeah. what, what, what are you doing? And then obviously the deflection could have went anywhere and he goes straight to their strike and in his scores. And then I think it was it's funny because I feel like even though it was under pressure, we still looked a bit comfortable. Even at 3-1, I think as time was going on, we still looked comfortable. And then when that second goal, because I know Bartley headed it, but he headed it backwards into the centre of the goal. So I think that could even be a miscommunication of him and Johnston. Johnston not saying he's coming out and Bartley's on the heady back thinking he'll catch it. Or, yeah. But I think I think this happened last time on Championship. We've, we can see goals that are so unnecessarily, ridiculously inept from our defending. It's ridiculous. I feel like, I, th- I think against Luton, we, we should have had the clean sheet. And I think we'd have looked a lot stronger going to the Sheffield United game. I think even the Bournemouth, the goals we conceded, they weren't fantastic goals. Mm-hmm. I don't think they weren't well-worked goals. It was just it was just poor defending. I think if we cut that out and we can try and maybe add one or two, new, I don't know, maybe three players in minimum, I think we should be all around up, up there towards top two, towards the end of the season. Because I, I don't get ahead of myself, but I, I think, I think Ismail is, I think he's the one that could hopefully change things around now because we've been in a constant cycle of learning players like Barnes and players like that have gone back and our seasons fell apart. Whereas now, I understand what they're trying to do by signing players and that's what we think I want to learn. But I think over the course of the season, I heard it on BBC WM yesterday, if you're going to play at Ismail way, you have to have a, a squad. You have to have a big squad. Yeah, but, I- yeah, I saw something about this. I saw, um, so I think it was uh, one of the reporters on Twitter, and they said that they can see a lot of Marcelo Bielsa in Valerian yeah. Ismail because he he like he seems to like a quite small squad, mm-hmm. so he knows where every single player is at. He knows their progress. He knows how fit they are. He knows how much they can rely on. Rather than having like, well, I'll go back to the Darren Moore season where we honestly had must have had about thirty-five <laughs> players in the squad, and there was times where you'd have a player start one week. So, like, just for example, Tyrone Mears, that's a proper, that's a proper blast. Wow. But he was, but he was starting one week, and then the next week he wouldn't be in the squad, and then the next yeah. week he'd start again. It was just really random, like tinkering about. But I think it's I actually, I actually, I actually saw that on Twitter. I think it was. Um... Alan Nixon, I think it is. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the yeah. One. I saw that. I actually I actually replied to that tweet. I said, I said, oh, I agree with what he's saying, but there's a difference between having a small squad and being stupid. Yeah. That I think we've I think with leads that they had the small squad, but they sort of had the quality to to do that. Yeah. I know they bought. They had a couple of young lads, but young lads weren't bad footballers. Whereas I think with us, when the ball we had six subs. Yeah, I was worried. That was really I think. Worried. I think I think there's a difference between having a small squad and being clever with it and being stupidity because if Robert and Livermore get injured, who do you play? 
it's going to have to be somebody like I'm thinking is uh, Kevin Castro, but is he ready for to play Championship football? Obviously, heard heard a lot good, a lot of good things about him in that in the Watford game. I think it was the friendly. Yeah. I heard some good things about him then, but he's not been in the in, in the squad when he's fit. Obviously, over the over the last game against against Luton, so. Yeah, I'm just a bit concerned because obviously maybe Phillips could go in there, maybe Reach could go in there, but they're not really up to the quality of somebody like, well, particularly Mo, particularly Moat who's in there and doing a really good job. So Moat gets suspended, which I think he's going to be. He's got two yellow cards in two games. It, it's coming in the next. It's in the next ten games. He's going to have a ban. Let's face it. Obviously, he's playing in two in midfield, high intensity. Going to have to work really hard. And same with Livermore. You know, Livermore. It wouldn't be a Livermore season without a ban. I don't think so. There's going to be bans, there's going to be injuries. Obviously, it's a high-press system, so it's going to be pretty taxing on the players for their fitness and their, obviously, getting injuries. So, uh, Callum, if you're the, the chief uh, of scouting at, at, at the Hawthorns, who, who, what sort of personnel are you bringing in? Obviously, we've been linked with some quite nice striker options. I, I'm, I'm personally thinking in, in, in Dyke and uh, Delap from Man City, who I think looks pretty bright. What sort of personnel are you bringing in to, to the Hawthorns this summer? Uh, well, Robson Khan is on a free, so he might as well get him back. That's the whole. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I, th- I think, judging from what he's modern last year, he, he wants a striker up there that, that can, he's a target man, I'd say, but has a, a mo- mobility about him. I think that's why I'm not sure if Dykes, just paper rumours of adding two and two together because yeah. he was the man for last season and bringing him back. I hope it's not. I hope, it, I hope there is some interest there. I know Massey reported it with Liam Delap. I've I've not seen anything of him. I know he scored a goal for Man City playing from the other day. When the other day was it? I know he played a cup game. I think it was. He, he played the cup game against Bournemouth. Funnily enough, uh, mm. last season in the Carabao Cup, I think. Yeah. Guardiola gives him his debut, and, and he he went through on goal and he he smashed it in. So. Yeah, that was it. But uh, I, 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 that's, that's, not, a, that's a very small amount of evidence to. to sign yeah. Up. I think Dyke last year he was something like nine goals and eleven starts. So I think, but you putting all your eggs in one basket. I think I'm not. I'm not sure because as scouting, I think maybe apart from Pereira, we have we're not we're not finding the gems that we used to we used to find unbelievable players like McCauley, Malumbu, Jakob. Yeah, I feel like since Dashworth left and everyone else, it's just. I mean, we've, we've signed Kenny Sawyer for eight million pound. Yeah, I mean that's just that's just that, yeah that's especially, especially after especially after yesterday. I think a lot of Albion fans are looking back at that and thinking, can we have that eight million back now? Because obviously <laughs> we've been, we've been waiting to see a decent striker, and he's had he didn't have too many chances under Bilic. I don't think I don't think he had masses, but mm. just last yesterday, I think I just think wow wow. I think it's not it's hard because I feel if Austin. Didn't have the money that he was on. I would have kept him if it was, if it was what Robson Carney was on. I might give him another year because at this level he can score the goals. You know, it's about he's doing it at QPR. doing last year, but I'm, I'm not sure because it, top of my head I can't think of any. I know people want Clark Harris from Peterborough, but he's had two games. He's not done much. Yeah, he, he's not. He's. I know he's in his prime, but that's if he was like 21, 22, young player coming up, then yeah, spending the money and getting. But I think. If they want reportedly eight million pound, that's all of the prayer money gone for this year. Yeah. So it's tough. I feel like everyone's in the same boat trying to find a striker, but it's just Fulham have got one in Richard Richard there, all right. But 
it, it's tough. It, it really is tough. And to some extent, I feel sorry for them because because of COVID, there's not much options. But that's when the recruitment has to come in. You have to look overseas. The clubs that are struggling more than us just to try to get some financial deal going. Yeah, I think uh, I've said this so many times on the podcast, but I just love us to look at somebody like, well, two clubs in particular, Norwich and Brentford, who yeah. I think smash it year after year with their scouting. Yes, the players they bring in, they're not first teamers straight away. They have a little see, they have a season maybe back on loan, or they have a season in the what they call a B team now, and then they come into the first team. And obviously, you look at that Brentford side that played the other day against Arsenal, and you think, who, who, who are these lot? You know, who, who on earth are these players? And I just think the players that they find are, are fantastic. Obviously, they know that Brentford have got an affiliation with with a club in Denmark that works pretty well between the two, where they get their players from. But my choice in terms of striker, I think would be would be Dyke. I think in terms yeah. of what I've seen, I mean, this is literally a 10-minute reel on YouTube this time at Barnsley, but he, he remind he has similar, be it obviously less quality, he looks a bit like the, the way that Lukaku used to play, where he used to just, the ball would come into the box and you just think, you shouldn't win that, you shouldn't be getting your head on that, and he just absolutely pommel through two defenders and it's in the back of the net. There was a yeah. couple of times where I saw that and then he, there's a few times where I'm seeing him press high and then he picks up the ball. He, he's having a run at defenders. Yes, he's not the quickest because obviously he's a big guy, but obviously he's having runs at defenders. He is reasonably quick, but not obviously lightning fast. But I think Johnson Clark Harris was a player that intrigued me at the start of the window. I did a video a few few weeks ago on, you know, which striker should we sign? And I probably said Johnson Clark Harris at the time. Now I look and I see him in the championship. I think uh, I've watched the Peterborough Derby game as much as I could before before we before we went to the game. But he, he just looks a bit a little bit a bit little bit lost, yeah. perhaps. I think yeah. yeah, a lot of Albion fans have gone from him being first choice to him perhaps not even being on the shortlist now. But obviously we'll see what happens in the transfer window. We're hoping that this isn't the end of our business because I think that would be, as you said, pretty stupid of Ismail to. To, to leave that obviously I was just thinking when he said it I thought surely you're just saying that just to make the motivate the players a bit more I really hope so yeah, yeah so I, I, Callum, I, I, have you got a man of the match for, for for yesterday's game have you got a standout performer obviously things were going well but obviously we did try and trick it away but there were some decent performances who would you say was your, your man of the match for out for, from an Albion perspective of course um, I'd probably say Dara O'Shea I think he was absolutely unreal I think that right side looked so solid. There was nothing going down there. It was, I think, the other side when Clark went off and a Jay Conn Townsend. It was just, it looked like it was like having Darren Moore football back, and it was looked open and like it was like, it was like having Addy Boyer back at the back. Yeah, it, it was. It was just chances going through there. I think I looked earlier that the attack reports and Luton literally every attack they had near enough went down the right hand side from Townsend. Yeah. So I think that other side it shored it up, and I think yeah, I think O'Shea. I think this could be the season that properly brings him through. That as a whole season, a forty-six game player. I think I think he struggled last year in the Premier League because in the Championship he come through. Was it like February time, like January February time, yeah. and he was leaving. He was reported leaving, so we dropped him, brought O'Shea, and he had a, he had a run of games when he done well. But I think he got chucked into the Premier League too early. I think you could see he weren't ready. But I think I think this season he, he seems to have matured a bit. So I think this season could be his actual breakthrough season. And it wouldn't surprise me in three, four years' time if he was the new captain. It could I be think, like a, 
Yeah, I think obviously we didn't really see much of him in terms of in the stadium, did we? I think he played that game against Brentford where we had no centre-backs left on the bench under Bilic and he was the only one left. And we thought, oh God, this is this is not the time to come on because obviously Brentford were, were promotion chasers along with ourselves. And we thought, oh God, but he did look really assured in that game. But we haven't really seen him in terms of in the stadium, have we? Because obviously when no. he started to break through, he got into, he got into the first team and then it, we went into lockdown. We didn't see him in the stadium. So... But he looks really physical, I think. I think in terms of a player that I think a few times got pinned by opposition strikers in the Premier League, I think looks really physical. Like you saw yesterday, there was a, quite a physical striker in terms of uh, Adebayo yesterday up front for Luton. He's quite strong. Obviously, Bartley dealt with him well, but then he started to try and peel off onto the other two centre-backs to see if he could have a go at them. But I thought O'Shea, I thought, oh God, I hope he doesn't start peeling off onto him because maybe they'll get involved in a physical battle. And I don't think O'Shea is particularly strong, but he looked really, really calm, assured on the ball. Uh, and definitely calm when dealing with 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 what is a good championship striker. I'm definitely with you on this. I think you know this this could be his season to really shine through. And if we do go up, this season is going to really help with a really good big run of games. Obviously, Ismail spoke very highly of him. So hopefully, we see him breaking in and, and carrying on his his really good form. I think it, as well, what impressed me was he's just he's reading of the game. I think there was times when he looked as if the ball was going over Bartley, and he automatically covered round behind him just in case he didn't. And I think there was a couple of times when Luton broke away and it was just there was the one when he was like a three on one and he managed to slow down the winger. Yeah. Uh, I don't his name. I think he's that on on your dame. On your dame. I have to say his name again. <laughs> I think I think I think he was breaking away and it was like a three on one. He managed to slow it down and just get all the players back in time. And I think like, I think I think this, this could be that I really hope this is the season. I'm not I'm not sure. No I mean, now look his contract probably expires at the end of the season, but <laughs> no, and he'll probably leave on a free, but I'm, I'm sort of I'm sort of hoping he'll be the next one to break through and maybe make a, a decent profit on him from an academy player because I think our problem is we hold on to players for far too long. We don't sell them when they're at the potential. So I think I know he's only young. So if we, if he has a good year, especially in the Premier League, if we do go up and he has a strong year next year as well, I'm hoping we can make some decent money from him. Yeah, definitely. I think he's he's there's surely got to be. Premier League teams if he carries on like this looking at him so yeah, I don't want to sell him because I think it's nice to have an academy player I know he's he's not necessarily Hawthorns you know he's obviously Irish so he's he's not necessarily you know bred next door to the he's not necessarily born next door to the Hawthorns but he look you know he just looks like a like the part centre back and I'm, I'm really looking forward to what the season holds ahead but Callum obviously you said at the start of the podcast you hadn't seen too much of Luton before um uh, but you, you obviously had 90 minutes, well, 90, 106 minutes or whatever it yeah. was watching the day. <laughs> what did you make of the Luton side and, and, and how they played up against Albion? That, do you think they're going to be, you know, have a decent season? Well, from what I was watching, uh, I watched a YouTube video earlier of a Luton fan actually talking about the way they got on. I know there's missing some players like Sonny Bradley. Uh, there's missing another centre half as well. So I think they didn't come with a full squad. Um I think first half they, they, they didn't do anything. I think they just they just came to try and maybe hold us out for a draw. But I feel like when they actually got the ball down and started playing, and they brought like, lots of Lansby on and started thinking about it. they're actually not a bad team. Yeah. And I think even like bringing Cameron, someone like Cameron Drome off the bench, he, I know he's thirty-five, but he caused I think he causes some problems. Yeah. Last twenty minutes he was on. Like done more than Kenny's the hall. We weren't hard, but, you know. <laughs> but, um, but I think I think. Like the one the first game 3 0 against Peter against Peter, but that's the sort of games you have to make a statement. 
I don't I don't think they'll be up there in terms of going automatics. They might push for Paris because I don't I don't think this season the teams are strong. I'm not sure what you think, but I, I don't like. I feel like when you come down, there's there's in the old times, especially you'd come down and there was five or six teams just as good as you. Whereas I think now with COVID and the parachute payments, I think us, Fulham, Sheffield United have ridiculous squad compared to yeah, I uh, agree. I, yeah. I, I probably said Luton, but even like yesterday, like the thing they've got like a two average goal expectancy, so it shows when they get the ball down and they play that they can be up there. That the I think. Like I said, they missed a few players, but I think Nathan Jones, he had a bad time at Stoke, but I think he sort of knows what he's doing. If he can just get maybe one or two more signings in, I don't see why they can't be up there. Yeah, definitely. I think that, I think they've got a nice way of playing, especially in that last 20 minutes when they really made things difficult. They sort of completely switched their game off from the first half that they had and just went, right, let's actually knock the ball about. And they did look <laughs> decent. But yeah. we'll go over and get some reaction from, from the Luton camp. We've got Billy, Billy Mully, who's uh, from the Oak Road Hatter podcast, who sent us a little five-minute clip with his thoughts on the game. So let's go over to Billy and see what he says. Obviously, if you want to check out the Oak Road Hatter podcast, the links will be in the description. But let's go over to him and get his thoughts after such an emphatic win on the opening day against Peterborough and it's a really exciting time to be a Luton Town fan the belief that Nathan Jones has instilled into the players and therefore us as fans has been there right from pre-season I think that the the people that have jumped on the bandwagon that we had dark horses I don't think we're there yet but we're closing in on that sort of category of team I knew West Brom would be a difficult test I mean the players that the club possess is nothing short of incredible. The recruitment has also been brilliant. The likes of Alex Moat and Matt Clark are great players at this level. And I think you'll continue to see the best out of them during this season. Ishmael as well is a serial winner. He basically took Barnsley from a struggling championship side to a playoff competing team. So it's... A big work in progress at West Brom, but the signs are there to say that they're going to be right up there at the end of the season. There was no changes from Saturday's win, and whilst it's exciting to see such an attacking starting eleven, it was a bit too attack-minded for visiting a team like West Brom. We started with our fourth and fifth choice centre-backs, and the three that usually start ahead of them are still recovering from COVID and recovering from respective injuries, which is not ideal for visiting a team like West Brom, as I say, but it was the position we had to be in. And I think that showed quite early on. We tend to match teams up as well when we've played sort of the bigger teams in the division in the past. But I think there's this sort of new mindset that we go out and do what we do and we'll see how that goes on rather than worrying as much about what the opposition do. At the same time, it would have been difficult for us to actually name five at the back, given the three players that were missing, plus the other two players that could actually fill in that position are also injured. So it was quite a difficult team sheet for Nathan Jones to get right, especially when considering the opposition. I think we were left quite stunned by West Brom, to be honest, how fast they came out and how strong they started. I think my best assessment is that West Brom won the physical battle quite early on and then that allowed them really to get a foothold in the game, control possession and start attacking moves from deeper and, and sort of penetrate through our defence quite quickly. 
but I don't think it was pure domination in the sense that it was one-way traffic. I think we put some nice moves together, but the end product sort of let us down on a few occasions. Um, also think we were let back into the game quite sloppily from West Brom's perspective. Harry Cornick allow it, allowed to sort of tap the ball in. And this was sort of the moral of the story for the second goal as well. We were allowed back into the game rather than sort of earning the chance to get back into the game. I think once West Brom fully click into gear this season, then they're going to be some force to stop. Once they eradicate sort of the silly mistakes that they made too, I think it could have been even four or five. But I was, I was left impressed with how we responded in the second half. But the manner we conceded the three goals needs to be eliminated before we go into our next game with Barnsley. I was left impressed with Alan Campbell. He worked tirelessly in the middle of midfield and showed some real quality when getting forward and supporting the play whilst also having that sort of technical ability to progress attacking moves further. I think the experienced duo of Cameron Jerome and Henry Lansbury also worked very well and changed the game in that sense, in the way that Lansbury kept the ball ticking and his quality from set pieces was also something we're missing during the game. Jerome was a real nuisance up top and I think his experience really showed. We had Adebayo who started, who was unable to get in the game and then Jerome came on and sort of showed Adebayo how to do it, I felt. First time that Adebayo actually struggled from what I've seen. Matt Clark, I thought, was excellent. He's such an intelligent footballer who reads the game very, very well. He's technically brilliant. He's got composure and he also has that tendency to bring the ball forward and join the attacks when needed, which is good when you have two other centre-backs next to you. Um, I thought the front three was also brilliant. I think that they will enjoy a very, very prolific season, all three of them. Also, when you have a player like Matt Phillips to bring on in that position, in in any of those positions really across the front three then yeah it's going to be some season for West Brom. Also for Furlong had a brilliant game his attacking runs down the right flank were never really picked up and he really provided threat with some of the balls he put into the box. Also, uh, also defensively speaking he cut off the threat of Onya Dimma who had such an excellent game for us on the opening day and he is also another player that will keep on improving this year, I imagine. The good thing for us is that we won't have to play West Brom every week, but there are a few things that we need to do better for the rest of this championship season. And ultimately, that is defending set pieces and crosses a lot, lot better. We also just had a single shot at half-time, which is something we struggled with last season. But at the same time, when you come to West Brom away, you don't tend to expect too many so a massive thank you to bill for coming on the podcast and giving his thoughts on the albion luton game but after that 3-2 win a nice four points uh, leaves us on with the total for the season so far after two games we're now moving on to a wednesday night kickoff a game against sheffield united back at the hawthorns again under the floodlights it's going to be a lovely game we'll talk about it now with callum here so callum confidence should really be brimming especially in an attacking sense after the performance yesterday what are your thoughts going into the sheffield united game obviously coming down with us uh, from the Premier League, you mentioned them earlier with with how strong of a squad they've got. What are your thoughts going into the game? I'm actually, I'm quite shocked after two games. They've only got one point. I think after the way we we beat Blues four 0 pre season, I thought Sheffield United they got 
Jakovic, who it's a bit different from Wilder, I'd, I'd say, because from Wilder, there was, there was organised and it was just trying to make it as hard for teams as possible. To Jakovic, where he's just possession based, trying to control the game. And I think against Blues, that's something like 76% possession. It was, it was absolutely ridiculous. But they're not creating much. I think this is the problem. I think we've had this problem before when maybe on the beach we've had possession. We've had like 75% possession maybe against Wigan or someone. And we couldn't create anything. And they've gone on your running and scored, which is evidently what Blue's done as well. Even against Swansea, it was a 0 0. It was just two teams battling for possession. I don't think there was much created. But you know, at the time they've still got Sanderberg, they've still got maybe even McGoldrick, you know, whenever he plays against us, he seems to turn into prime Ronaldo. <laughs> You've got the like, you know, even Brewster, he scored goals at Swansea. I'm not sure if McBurney's fit. I'm not, I'm not sure what situation he was with him. Yeah, well, he, he played against he played against Birmingham. I think he came off. I'm not. I did. I watched the Birmingham game, but I didn't watch the game against Swansea last night. So I'm not sure yeah. who is in the squad. But he's still a decent championship squad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Goals against. Yeah. The game. I, 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 when you go for the team, obviously, like linked to Arsenal, John Egan. Like on paper, they've got a good squad. So I don't think we should take it lightly just because they've not won a game. If anything, we should be more aware because they haven't won a game yet, and it's just like a, a statement. But yeah, why this is a worry of mine, which is I think this will be our first proper test in terms of hmm. if they do play someone like Ollie Burke, who as we know he's got pure speed. Yeah. He can't he's got, he's got no football ability. I'm gonna keep touch wood on that because every time I say yeah. I slay a player, they end up scoring. <laughs> but um yeah, against a high line against Ollie Burke, it just it sounds like a, a disaster. But it'd be interesting to see what he is about us. It'd be very interesting. But Again, that the just because they haven't won the game, I wouldn't write them off. I think they've still got a top side. They'll probably make a, a signing before the playoffs, maybe. I'm not sure, but I'm I'm not know. It's it, it's been a weird start from this season. Yeah, I, th- I I watched the game against Birmingham, and they just looked. They've got on paper, I think, probably as good, if not better, squad than ours in terms of championship quality players. But they just looked like they had no ideas against Birmingham. It was quite odd because I thought Sanderberg played really well. I thought he was. He was just sucking players in. People were coming towards him and he was just dribbling past them and he looked really good. But for end product, they looked pretty pretty off the ball. And that's quite odd because they have got some creative players. They haven't got massive amount of flair in their side, I don't think. I think they've got they've obviously got Burke, who uh, the less said about from an Albion's perspective, the better. Obviously, we're, we're hoping because he did really play well, I think, last season um, in the first game, I think. We, we played against them that we won at home. I think he he looked like twice the player that we've ever seen him. It must have been the motivation of playing against us, I think, really, because I'm sure he knows what a lot of the fans think about him. But they just looked stuck for ideas. I can't comment on the Swansea game, but in the Birmingham game, they lost. They just looked, they had so much possession, but they just didn't get any end product, didn't get any 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 of the cogs turning in an attacking sense. It was, yeah. it was quite odd. So, yeah, I, I don't know what your thoughts are in terms of how we'll play. Obviously, the high line may be an issue if they, for pace like they did against Birmingham which I thought was quite an odd choice because obviously yeah. I, could have, I could have told uh, whatever his name Jokovic y- y- yeah I could have told him that if, if before the game that Birmingham were going to sit really deep and yeah. the pace would not be effective whatsoever yeah. but he still, still went for it I don't know what your thoughts are on, on how we'll end up playing because yeah. the high line may cause problems uh, for ourselves really maybe but I think the problem for Sheffield United is I think if their fans would agree with me is they've come 
from a team, like I say, the Louis Waller can always in the Wilder and the broke quick to now trying to control games and control the ball and stuff. And I think for them, it's completely, it's a massive change. So like them, they're in a transition apart from they've gone from a five, like a three or five at the back to a four at the back and having an extra power up front. Whereas now we've gone from having like a four, two, three, one to a three, four, three. Yeah. So I think it's just all about transition, but I know when on Twitter and a lot of the fans were actually slating Sanderberg after the Swansea game saying he, he was poor. Really? Wow. Mm. Yeah. Cause I, look, I looked at him in that Birmingham game and I thought, you need a move, mate. I thought you need to get yeah. to get yourself and into the Premier League or something. But yeah, obviously I can't comment on the Swansea game. I think he was one. Of, I think I saw somebody list a few players that just weren't playing well enough. And I think he may have mm. been one of them come to think of it. But yeah, it's odd considering I thought he played pretty well in the first game, but Obviously, Sheffield United just couldn't grab a hold on either of those games at all. It's quite yeah. quite odd. So, Callum, if I can push you for a, a prediction for for Wednesday night's game, how do you think? How do you think we're going to do? Uh, I, I, it's going to be a lot of heart attacks. I can tell you that. There's going to be a lot of as soon as that ball gets played over the top, you see Holly Bet running behind. Everyone's going to sit there. Oh my God, what's going to happen? Um, I don't know. I, I'm going to I'm going to two now. I think. Hopefully, keep our first clean sheet. Get some stability in there. I think the one thing I like about Ismail, he, he seems to be an attention to detail coach. Mm. So I'm pretty sure he'll look at the game and he'll go sit down with the players and sort of urge them to be quicker on the ball, especially at the back. I think that's what that's probably what caused both our goals as being a bit in their own world. I think he, you know we can't do that against Sheffield United because if we do something like that, we will lose three or four now. We, we will get punished if we try defensively trying to do anything stupid but yeah I felt I'm a bit confident I think hopefully touch wood Oliver Burke doesn't find his football ability my goals don't turn into prime Ronaldo again um, but yeah hopefully get another win and get some more points on the board and start getting a bit of a gap on yeah, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna echo your thoughts. I'm not gonna say two now, I'll go one nil just to just so we don't have the same <laughs> prediction. But I, I just hope that Ismail's not stubborn. I, he doesn't strike me as stubborn, but he does have his way of playing and I do hope he can adapt from that in terms of whatever Sheffield play. Obviously you won't really know what to expect, whether they're gonna play pace or whether they're gonna go for more creativity. If I were if I was Jukanovic, I think I'd probably go for go for go for pacing behind if that's what we're going to do but hopefully Ismail can can kind of counteract that and adapt to, to however they're going to play but Callum it's been a massive pleasure having you on the Baggies podcast yes. this week obviously uh, it's been great to speak to you and I'm sure a lot of Albion fans have really enjoyed this episode here in fans perspective and obviously speaking to you about your thoughts on the game and obviously your analysis but Callum a massive thank you for for coming on obviously you're always welcome on the Baggies podcast but a massive thank you for coming yes. on yes thanks Albion mate thank you appreciate that Honestly, no worries, mate. Uh, and that does bring us to the end of the Baggies podcast for this match reaction episode. Obviously, the next one will be after the Sheffield United game, where hopefully our points tally will look more like seven and less like four in terms of after Wednesday's game. But if you're new around here, be sure to subscribe. Leave us a nice review if you've enjoyed the episode. And I'll see you in the next episode. Goodbye.